scratch and smooth. Hello and welcome to SNS Online. Today, basking in some sweet and serious northern soul, together with a liberal sprinkling of electro funk. The result, modern stroke vintage pop that juxtaposes fresh and vibrant with classic and timeless. Warrington and Leeds' The Winachi Tribe, formerly China White, are an organically created band in the old school tradition, where gigging is at the heart of what they do. With BBC Airplay, prominent festival spots are now on their second UK tour. The guys at Winachi are ready to entertain the world. And their tracks, even if you're unfamiliar with them, transport you to good times. Let's take a listen. Wenatchee Tribe working their magic. Well, I headed down to that iconic East End music venue for George Tavern to catch up with the guys and watch them gig the night away as part of their Room with a Zoo UK tour. So Liam and Anthony, uh, welcome to the show. It's an absolute honour to have you here tonight. I think your music is amazing. Now you're here at the George Tavern in uh, Bermondsey. Uh, what is the, is a special sort of reason for this concert? Yeah, it's, um, it's called Save the George Tavern. And the reason behind the gig is this beautiful old iconic East End venue. Basically it's to help raise legal costs for the venue because what they want to do is they want to build a load of fucking flats next to it which would eliminate their music licence. So we're helping to raise money for the legal costs to keep, you know, because they're going through court and that, so we're trying to raise money to help keep it open. So Lim, just give us a brief potted history of the Wenatchee tribe to date. The Wenatchee tribe formed while we were called China White. China White, we got the name from Grandmaster Flash and Fjordis Five White Lines, the song. Vision, dreams of passion. And all the while I think of you. And there was a lot of trouble because of the Hedowin association with the name. So the Wenatchee tribes in Anagram and China White. And uh, we were doing a show in London supporting Zach Starkey, uh, Ringo's son. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a pretty cool gig. And we walked on stage as China White were left as the Wenatchee tribe. What, the same night? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same night, man. Well, you changed all the logos within half an hour. We had them ready. Sorry, we had them ready. 
Let's talk about your musical influences when you were growing up and, of course, the seismic reputation of northern bands that you've obviously, you know, following in their great footsteps. While I was growing up, I've listened, I mean, I've listened to all sorts of music, do you know what I mean? Um, everything influences me, you know. I've grown up listening to hip-hop, uh, funk, rock, you know, loads and loads of music. I, I can't pinpoint a single thing that this is influenced by, really, do you know what I mean? We listen to a lot of uh, Parliament. Size Stone. Massive Attack. That like rock, rock music, like Guns N' Roses, and that when we was, when, you know, we were kids, we was listening to. Everything, mate. You know, we're influenced by music and life. I think the biggest influence on us is life. Do you know what I mean? What would you endorse that, Anthony? That's that's it, really. It's similar uh, background with music. So we we t we've. The, our influence is our platter that we make to paint our own sound, really. But we can't really pinpoint what it our sound is, it's just very influences of ourselves really. Life that influences our music, whatever's going on around us. Love, love a police car at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a song <laughs> called, I think it's a riot. <laughs> I was listening to you guys on a podcast, an American podcast, and I heard quite an amusing story about both how you met each other in the first place and when you met your, your wife. Uh, I met Anthony um, in a local pub called the Barley Mow in Warrington. I just, a couple of days before that, I had this living daylights kicked out of me. <gasps> um, but we fucking give as good as we got, mate, trust me. <laughs> you bitch! You kill! Yeah, it was one of them. Anyway, that's the difference. And his missus was there. Yeah, missus yeah my missus was there. She fucking smashed the table over her heads as well. But I was really beat up anyway, and then me and Ant got talking, and we started jamming in his garage, smoking weed. You know, we was fucking just, it was literally a bass and acoustic guitar and a joint, and we started just, just started playing and figuring each other out, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, things started to grow from there. It, originally, it was just me, Anthony, and a producer who were working together, and it, over the years, it grew into a band, you know what I mean? Yeah. So apparently you spoke to Liam in the bar because he, he looked all roughed up and he seemed the most interesting guy in the bar or was that the only person there? That's true, because I can see that he's more or less going to be on the same wavelength as me. Like, you know. And then when we started chatting, um, we found out we made uh, mutual music. Yeah. You know, we were talking about um, Pink Floyd and Primal Scream and stuff at the time. Like, so we, was very, we had the same musical interest. Liam was already on the scene doing music and that, so you know, eventually we, we, we took a while, but we pinned, pinned each other down. Not wrestling type kind of thing, <laughs> right? But then, we, like, like Liam said, you know, we started jamming and that, and then mm. we made what, what we are today, really. And what about when you met your wife? I met her uh, behind Quicksave in Warrington. I was setting a fire when we met Gringo, and asked her to buy me 10 fags, so I was only 12. You are Frank Gallagher, aren't you? <laughs> now I'm better lucky, mate. <laughs> What's Liam, little rock and roller, gonna be a star once we've got the fits under control. Do I have to watch my small change around here, Ben? Hey, watch your notes. <laughs> watch, I watch my notes, though. Ba -da -da -da. You're listening to SNS Online with my special guests, the Wenatchee Tribe. And for everything you need to know about the band, check out their website, thewenatchee Let's have a blast now of one of their tracks before we chat further. This is so classy. 
time for love. Mm-mm-mm. If you left me in the morning, would you give me your infection? Show me where you found me. Would you give me some direction? Would you leave a little piece of that person that you took? If you pass me in an empty street. scale the Wenatchee tribe and time for love worth checking the video on YouTube as it guest stars Lily Allen's dad the total legend for this Keith let's go So clearly an awful lot of hard graft, blood, sweat and tears and the continuity of gigging has got you to where you are. Let's talk about some of your gigs. Uh, Victorious, how was that in Portsmouth? We, the first time we played it, we played on the main stage. It was fucking enormous, man. It was like, yeah, it was insane. It was, it was huge. It was like a football pitch or something. And then this, one of the best shows we've ever done was the second, we played two sets that day. 
We played the second stage about six o'clock and just as we walked on, a thunderstorm opened. They got to the right of us with the sea, so the sea's fucking going, pissing down with rain. It was absolutely amazing to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it was like it's almost like our uh, coming of age gig. It just like you know when everything locks in as a band, it sounds quite cheesy, but I think um, all performing musicians want that moment when you forget about what you're doing. And it was one of those moments. I, I actually remember coming off and I was nearly in tears, it was like, I was shaking like a shitty dog mate, you know what I mean? That's so sweet, that's so sweet. We've had another band on called The Beautiful Secret who also played at Victorious, I don't know if you know, but, but anyway, they've been on. And that's on YouTube, isn't it? I think parts of it are, yeah. You've supported The Happy Monday, Zach Starkey, Primal Scream, You're, you've done Shine on Weekend, The Manchester Academy, what are the highlights? Yeah, I mean the best support show for me personally was um, opening for uh, Melly Mel and Scorpio from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five because they were a big influence on us, they were massive influences on us and then Scorpio from the band flew over from New York and collaborated on a track called Aggression with us. over from New York. So I've got to stop you. <laughs> Whoa, that sounds pretty cool. No, nah, like I said, he flew over from fucking Skagness if you want. Like, <laughs> that's where he's from. He's come over from there. Um, and That's awesome. That's so awesome. And we've been, to be honest, since 2009, we've been doing shows with him. So they're our boys, yeah. It's aggression. It ain't the top second. Guess to lose your life and learn a lesson. Adolescent, always testing the message. We brought you close to the edge. China White is all right. We made peace, so move ahead. New hip hop boys with blessings that bring noise. Critics won't admit it, but they look for their flaws. No racial boundaries, they the truth. They around me. I got on a plane, we met, now the fame. They range from the suburb to the hood. The shows are always great, but we've had some uh, crazy experiences with um, some of our influences, like Liam was saying when we first met Scorpio and brought him to Warrington of all places of the world, you know what I mean? And Liam and uh, Scorpio rapping to each other was just like mind-blowing and I never, it was back before you had like phones that you could record anything, just, that was in my head, it's one, a great moment, you know what I mean? The, the biscuit rappers, eh? Sing, sing, singing, a, singing a song that we took our name from, do you know what I mean? It was mind-blowing at the time. We sat there thinking, you know, this is crazy.
us through the sort of the, the writing process. I mean, obviously the, the lyrics and music. Uh, who, who sort of does what? I write the lyrics. Um, I'll, you know, sometimes I write parts of the music. Quite often, what I do, I'm originally a bass player. So, you know, a guitarist will sit there with an acoustic guitar and they write a guitar. My way of doing it is I'll sit there with a the bass. So I'll sit at home, I'll write some lyrics, I'll write a bass line, then I'll come into the studio with that, I'll show it him, and then we start building the song together. And um, me and Ant get sort of, you know, 85% of the track done together in the studio, and then we start bringing in other people, you know, the other lads from the band and stuff, and they start adding their parts to the, the track, yeah. So, I mean, how long would you say, I mean, I suppose there's no typical time for a song to, to, to form, but... It depends, like, track, yeah, it depends, yeah. like, we've we just recently done another track that um, Liam done, already done the bass to, and had the lyrics, had the song, you know what I mean, and it literally wasn't long, was no. it, do you know what I mean? It takes a long time to define it, if, you know, because we can get the track down in maybe a couple of weeks. It's like, I mean, you've heard our music, it's not sort of four lads thrashing out a guitar, so it is, it's that sort of, you know, that um, ultra production that maybe someone like Massive Attack has. So, like, every single, every single part of the song is really carefully looked at. Um, so the, the actual, the basis of the song might take us a couple of weeks, but then it might take a few months to really get it fucking sounding the dog's Because, I mean, people say that, you know, some, some of the best songs in history have been written within like I don't know an evening after after you know night out well they are that's yeah. the thing there's a difference though between writing a song and recording it yeah, so you know um, like I just said the song Transition which we just played in Soundcheck then that was wrote over two days I had the bass line knocking on for ages but the actual song I wrote over probably 48 hours but then getting in the studio recording it and making it become what it now is mm. takes a lot of thought and concentration um, and that in itself does take a long time yeah Authority that you guys give 120% at least to all the gigs that you play. Do you think the chemistry of the the bands just help drive that forward? Yeah, yeah, it does totally. Because like we're 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 all sort of um, very like sensitive animals, um, and yeah, it depends how the band is. But you know, if the band's on for, do you know what I hate me? Do you when you watch a fucking live band, yeah, and they're okay. I'd rather be shit than okay. I'd rather stink than be okay. And that's what you get with us. If we, well, oh, it stinks. <laughs> we, no, we don't stink, man. We, we, we fucking, when, we're, when we're bad, we're bad, but when we're fucking good, like, we're the best. You yeah. wouldn't know if we was bad, because everyone else, we sound fucking ace. Yeah. But, but, but it's we, to ourselves, and we're like, oh, that was a rough one. Everyone's like, what the fucking hell? That was a mega, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's got to be said that your percussionist um, in the Goldfinger was originally with Stone Roses Ian Brown. How did you get involved with him? Don't ask him. I, I, well, I will. I mean, Inda, I'll just, Inda, oh yeah. Inda. There's a question about you, so should I just ask him? Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Pleasure. How did you meet the the guys? 
These guys, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, now then, I think we had <laughs> some sort of cyber conversation, <laughs> if I recall. I'm going to tell the real story today. Basically, I don't know. I was just, I was just on uh, either Facebook or some sort of multimedia yeah, exchange, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I think I met Anthony, and he says, "All right, mate, how you doing? Uh, I like your work. I like what you've done in the past, or whatever. And uh, how about doing something for us?" We've always had a hit list. He was on it, so <laughs> tick. Right, okay, yeah, there you go. That's it. You see, so I was basically scouted. Yeah, I took. Yeah, I was scouted. Yeah, when they came to me, they had their shorts on, and I had to wear mine. Yeah. Basically, like Cub Scouts. Brown, though, was that actually for the Stone Roses or was that sort of no, separate? You see, you see, no, this was, sort of, was completely solo career. Uh, when he did Unfinished Monkey Business, he never actually felt or thought it was going to be taken seriously. So, what he's gone and done is, is, is put it out because I think he was obliged to do it. Uh, and then it obviously took off, and then he had to obviously find a band <laughs> that's going to sort of make this happen. Yeah. So to be able to recreate the tune, <laughs> yeah, I had to put my shorts on again. Dub dub dub. So I got a call out of the blue from his management. Uh, you play tablas and that, and I went, yeah, I play tablas and that. So can you come and see us? I went, yeah, safe. So I was at not at a loose end, to be honest with you. I was uh, in my life. I just finished my band, uh, Fundamental, and uh, then moved on to other stuff. And I think I spent maybe about two years on this sort of circuit of uh, I was just basically doing as many recordings as I possibly can yeah. and I was I was hot at that time you know it was it was flavour of the month and I was taking full advantage you're still that. hot man yeah I know I'm hot <laughs> <laughs> at that time you know it was, it was a flavour there was a lot of fusion stuff going on so I managed to you know really get my name out and about in some amazing circles, so you know that. And, you know, check it out. Check it out if you get a chance. Google me. Have a look. So let's talk about some of the people you've uh, you've worked with, like yeah. Tim Hutton, um, Danny Saber, Nick the Cable. We all, we have our own sort of hit list and, and people, professional people that we work with. So you don't want to get into a studio, <coughs> excuse me, for somebody to come in there, waste your time, or waste our time, or well, waste his own time or her own time. Totally. So basically, it's a matter of because we've only got a certain amount of time effort and money to be able to spend on these things so we can't we can't afford for it to, to be a miss yep. so you have to get the best gun so when you reach into your holster you've got to find the right gun and we put the right i'm a Sikh. when i put my hand down there and i put i pull the right sword out to do the right job and that's 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 how we that's how we see this because we're so it, i mean it's ridiculously serious about this it's not even a joke it's the only way forward though isn't it you know and and I get inspired by the music as well. And then by the time I've started cooking in there, mate, we are hot to trot, do you understand? So before, you know, we've got this sort of 
mild, amazing groove factor going on. And then we just come there with the chili spices, put some garam masala, and before we know it, we're cooking up some great things, you know. So, you know, that, that once again, with Tim Horton and, and many other people that we've... That, list, list some of the people. Keith Allen, Danny Sabre, in the Goldfinger, Rowetta, um, Tommy Flanagan, the Reverend D. Love Wayne from Alabama 3. You know, the, the list is. Do you know, the guys from the Furious Five? The guys from the Furious yeah, Five, too. The Furious Five guys, like Scorpio. Do you know where it came from? Initially, this, is, this is before the band, so me and Anthony. We were so influenced by the Bristol scene, Massive Attack, and Tricky, and all those guys. And what really inspired me was. I remember looking at Blue Lines, the album, and all the um, all the vocalists, they worked with all those sort of amazing people, and I took inspiration from it, and I thought it was really exciting. I mean, I always had this thing of, it isn't a collective, this. It is a, a, a real core band, but we're not um, that precious to let other people in to work with it, because I think it's part of the journey, isn't it? You know, if you keep that real, like, oh no, it's only this person. Other bands it works. For me, I've always really enjoyed working <coughs> with different artists on our songs because I think it brings a different angle and flavour, you know what I'm saying? And we'll, we direct it, we, it's our baby, but bringing other people in is a beautiful thing, man. There's a lot of uh, very talented people out there. You're listening to SNS Online with my special guests, the Winachi Tribe. And if you want to comment on this or any other show, then why not like our Facebook page, SNS Online, or Twitter, also SNS Online, at Scratch and Tweet. There's also an email address, snsonlineshow at gmail.com. All our shows are free and downloadable by searching on SoundCloud for, wait for it, wait for it, SNS Online. I do hope you're taking all this down. Scratch and Sniff. With Nick Randall. <laughs> so, Harry, you're the manager of the Winachi tribe. You've flown over from America to be here. Yes, I have. Um, this gig is kind of important to me. Um, I've been drinking in the George Tavern since I was 14 or 15 years old. Um, 
my cousin Terry, God rest his soul, me and him used to come in here when they had Sorrels at the back, which is a nightclub. So when we arranged this tour, I specifically asked them when actually tried if they could do a gig for the Save the Jewels Tavern. No, that's why we're here. So how, how long have you been involved with the band? Uh, I've been the manager of the Wenatchee Tribe for about three years now. I've known about them for about five years. Kermit from Black Grape uh, uh, told me and Danny Sabre about them. So they were the greatest unsigned band, blah, you know, all that stuff. Um, and I met Liam and Anthony when they were recording with Danny Sabre in Los Angeles. We just got on really well. They kept asking me, would I be their manager? And I was like, no, 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 no. Eventually, I was the de facto manager anyway, I guess. And I said, well, listen, I'll manage you, but you have to change your name. Because they were called China White. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> and they were like, why? I, I was like, well, I don't know what it means in Warrington, but in Los Angeles, it's like a street name for pure heroin. So we ain't going to get far with that. So I didn't hear from them for a while. And then they called me up one day and they went, we're going to call ourselves the Wenatchee tribe. I went, great, where's that come from? Yeah. And uh, the Wenatchee is actually an anagram of China White. And the tribe is their fans. So how could it's I perfect. say no to that? Yeah, absolutely perfect. Just why you had to go so soon. Even heaven knows that you are early. Like a song without a verse or two. Like a thought without a show. And I really need to know. Just why you had to go so soon. Okay, let's talk about your videos now, uh, which I absolutely love. Firstly, Liam, I've got to say, you're a very charismatic frontman, it's got to be said, with a much softer, more soulful voice. I mean, than you would perhaps expect, if I could say, you look like it's going to be a bit and uh, suddenly there's this voice of an angel. That's great. What's the question again? <laughs> My ego was getting so massaged. <laughs> You just you don't you you don't sing like you look. Right. Okay. Well, I mean I mean that in a touchy feely way. Thank you. Yeah. Well, appropriately. Yes. Of course. Most professional. <laughs> in the videos, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the videos an event as much as the music because the visual side of it's a really big thing. So us working with Keith Allen on um, Time for Love. Keith Allen. I mean a total legend and and also in one of my best comic strips ever, The Bullshitters. Yeah. Let's go. Fantastic, yeah, 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 absolutely, fantastic, amazing. So, yeah, uh, Keith on Time for Love, and then when we releasing the room with the zoo, uh, Tommy Flanagan, you know. Uh, Can I just say best title of, an, of a record ever? Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and that's, that, that's that's dedicated to the people of Warrington because when I was looking out my window, they were all up to no good, and I could just imagine them with. You know, people say, imagine everyone in the crowd naked. I imagine them with animals' heads in the room with the zoo looking at me from the window. There you go. <laughs> So Tommy Flanagan, Gladiator, Braveheart, um, Sons of Anarchy, how did you hook up with him? He's uh, an old friend of our manager, Harry, and um, him and H live in LA and they were in a, just in a bar talking and Tommy was asking about the band. What are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? What does it look like? 
Yes, uh, Tommy's one of my oldest friends. I met Tommy 25 years ago. Um, he was in Los Angeles doing press for, uh, what's the Scottish film called? Braveheart. And uh, my friend at the time was John Paul Getty Jr. And get, went, get you. <laughs> I don't know, I just met him when I was drinking. He goes, you have to come and meet my friend. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like, it was like one of those kind of things. And then and me and Tom just got on like a house on fire. So we've been friends forever. I went to his house about something completely different. We were talking and he went, I really love that band. You spend so much time running from A to B, you never stop for a moment to take in the scenery. And Harry said they've got a single that they're preparing to release. Uh, Tommy said, can I listen to it? He had a listen and loved it. H rang me, said, Tommy really likes it. So I you know, said to him, well, fuck it. Does he want to be in the video? I said, yeah, I said, they're cheeky bastards. They keep asking me if you'll be in a video for me. Well, I've got a couple of weeks free, can I get in now? Harry said, asked Tommy and Tommy went, I, fuck, I fucking love to, as long as they can do it in this time. And that was that. <laughs> that was that. And then Trevor Miller, who wrote the book Spin City, uh, Trip City, I'm sorry. You remember that was a big book in the 80s? Yeah. About the rave scene. I said, will you, write a, will you write a treatment for this? He goes, yes, as long as I can do anything. I went, I don't care, you do what you like. And it went from there and it became like, Trevor was asking Tommy, will you act in this? So it became a 12 minute short film. The film is fantastic. It's so cool. Well, it's really well done. And, uh, and Tommy plays God, doesn't he, basically? Yes. Well, Emma. You wanted to see some beautiful scenery. There you go. Yeah, it did say that, didn't I? But more importantly, who the hell are you? Me? I'm just hopeful. Well, I am. At least for a moment. When kindness actually affects the world. I don't understand. It's okay. You don't have to understand that. Just take the journey. You know? Follow the road sign. They'll show you how to be a man. What you gotta do is just keep your eyes open. Tommy's meant to be the evil and the bad. <laughs> the, the dark angel and the good angel. And this was all Trevor's idea. Um, actually, where he got it from, when he was the dark angel, it was supposed to be David Bowie in uh, the Finn White Duke years. And then the white angel was supposed to be John Lennon when he was walking across Abbey Road. So, that's, <laughs> so he kept it all very rock and roll. But yeah, I mean, it's all down to Trevor Miller. That's nothing to do with me. I, I just got Tommy and Trevor involved. Just say that that video is bonkers, man. I mean, we've all had nights like that when we drunk things we shouldn't. Yeah. But God, you you went on a journey, mate. Yeah, yeah, more than you know, mate. Believe me. All oh, right. Yeah. So you know, a few days before I was on a council estate in Warrington, and then I was in Malibu on the back of a horse. But you know, it, it turned into what it is. Tommy was a very sort of charismatic, killed guy. You know, and it, you know, it was experience enough, and can't thank him enough for doing it. And that video is available to watch now on YouTube. So let's check out the track, A Room with a Zoo.
about some of the other stuff you've been involved in BBC Introducing how's that been? Yeah well you know what BBC Introducing I think it's ace yeah but we've done it 90 times uh, right. so we're not introducing it anymore yeah. we've got <laughs> tunes look I just want to let the whole world know right here right now that we've got tunes that are listed <laughs> yeah that, that are, we got tunes that are playlisted man on the BBC Six Music this that yeah, and the yeah. other Tom Robinson right okay yeah. so if we've got that going on where do we actually fit in introducing? It should be outroducing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BBC yeah. outroducing. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I should sell BBC seducing. <laughs> so let's talk about the album then, because there isn't a, an album as such yet. No. So that's obviously got to be the next stage. Uh, yes, there will be an album, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> There's no hurry. No, there is no hurry. The craziest thing is that whilst we're finishing tunes, other tunes are coming up here. So we're going like that, and we're going back here, we're putting two, four, two more forward, putting one to the side and putting another two, and it's like, it's amalgamating. And this is this can only get better and yeah. better, because if you actually start liking your own music, that means something's right. With the band, like, you know, we, we've been putting out singles, and our singles have had that much impact. We're doing this off the back of just 
a number of singles. I believe you me, there's an album. It's not like we, there is, we have got an album, but we're not willing to fucking piss it away in the no, wind. No, 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 I so, didn't mean it like that at all. I meant it in the creative way. I know you did. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you did mean it like that. No. This, this album will come out, but it'll come out in the right way. Yeah. When the time is right, you will hear the full one actually album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's not a matter of VR. Here it is. A6 tracks, I think this this is something that people have been working and yeah. nurturing for quite some time and I think these things take time, there's a lot of love involved, a lot of emotion, we're not doing things piecemeal, yeah. in the mill, there you go, gets minced up and yeah. it comes out, here's your veggie sausage, do you understand? <laughs> we're not put into any group of um, artists, or so we're literally, you know, right, we're a northern, northern band, we're not part of that, if that makes sense. We are literally by ourselves. Yeah. Um, not by choice, but not not by choice. We're just doing our thing. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to ask me this, but if you have, I'm going to say it anyway. I always get asked in interviews. So uh, what do you think of the new bands coming through? Or what, if, you know, or these bands? Or this band? I, I couldn't give a fuck. And this isn't to say I've got anything against any. And there's a lot of brilliant bands. But I'm so wrapped up in what we're doing yeah. right now, <coughs> what I'm doing right now. Me and, you know, me, these guys here, it's all I can think about, and that's what's important to us right now, is getting our music out. Jamie, you are part of the Winachi tribe. Uh, tell us uh, what you do. I, um, I I play guitar, sing vocals. Um, I've been in the band for about four years, so they were established before, you know, as a group. Um, so I just came in. We crossed paths in old bands. So tell us how you feel the band has evolved over the time you've been in it. Um, it it's evolved quite a lot, to be honest with you. Um, I think before I joined, they didn't have a guitar player in the live band, so just bringing that whole other dynamic to the live setup has, has given us a lot more options. Um, we can offer a lot more different styles with a guitar in the band, and I think um, that's what's quite exciting about it for me as a guitarist, just to have a think about what I can bring to each track. This is quite an extensive tour, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're going all around the country. Uh, it's probably the biggest tour you've done? I'd say it's probably the biggest one in sense of spread. So, you know, we're, we're going up to Glasgow, down in London, and we've got Leeds, we've got Preston, and we've got North, North Yorkshire, Snowdonia, Belfast. So, yeah, it, I suppose it is, actually. And quite, quite a few festivals as well. Yeah, yeah, um, that, one of them in Wales. We've got one in Peterborough. There's one in North Yorkshire, I mentioned. Um, yeah. It's not on the moors, is it? Um, no, a bit more north of that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, that, that sh it, it's, it's set up to be a pretty good summer, I reckon. Oh, that's wonderful. You looking forward to tonight? 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, it's always a good gig coming down to London, to be honest. We, we enjoy it. It's a shame it's a bit too far away to come more often, really. But yeah, definitely good cause, great place. I'm looking forward to it. You're listening to SNS Online with my very special guests, the Wenatchee Tribe. Check them out on thewenatchitribe.com. Hacienda was an incredibly important venue in terms of Manchester's musical history. It was the centre of the universe, a guest best nightclub in the world. Smoke, sweat, and that pounding 120 beats per minute. Beautiful. Biblical even. Manchester's Hacienda Club. For more than a decade, it was the epicentre of the Manchester Revolution. Now it's about to be bulldozed to make way for city centre flats. There's always some c who's got to spoil the party, isn't there? The legendary Manchester club Hacienda, there was a documentary called Do You Own the Dance Floor? Yes. And you won a competition, something like that, to, to have a, a, a track feature? Our song, Platinum Seed, was entered into a competition. It won. And it's now in Do You Own the Dance Floor? 500 applicants are here. It's quite a few, mate, yeah. I'm just trying to get by like you That's awesome. That's totally awesome. Is, yeah. We don't go out there to no, win. Or be in a competition. We are the competition. Yeah, yeah. This is it. Do you understand? And and when opportunity knocks, it comes knocking for us. And stuff we, does we, literally we, just come out the woodwork for us. This bandit's mad. You know. Well, what it is is because we're a set, a, a, a top set of blaggers. Yeah. Hustlers. Everybody knows that we're total hustlers in what we do in everything. Yeah. And and I say in the utmost respect, you know. Nothing to do with anything dodgy or untowards, but I want to say that we're top set of hustlers and we're here by sheer virtue of our gobs here and our front, brass neck. <laughs> That's what we've got, brass neck. And we're able to flipping go out there and show people that we're good at what we do. And here we are today. Okay. The thing is, we've got vast sets of encyclopedias. You know, I've got years on the road. We've got, a top black, we've got a top black book as well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand? We've got years on the road and through that time I've managed to experience like all the people that we're sort of working with now, like Howie B and all that. I work with Howie B with yeah, that's good that. God how many years ago. So all this uh, in amongst that, um, on, um, all your life on the road, all the people that you meet, somewhere along the line you've met some top people in there, yeah. okay? And those are the people that you can rely on and get your job done and that's what we're doing. Getting this job done. Can you say something as well? Do you know yeah. the fact that we have worked with these people? Not everyone can do that. No. There's something special about this that um, makes these people want to work with the band. And they do it sort of like, you know, it's never sort of big business transaction that goes. This, a lot of it's just love and wanting to create. And you can see that we're very creative, open people. And, you know, 99% of them have been great. <laughs> right, like, let's talk about the 1% then. Let's not. <laughs> Oh, I'm intrigued now. I'll go and get my selection of vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I lie awake on a broken bed with no food in the house, no sleep with a broken head, no dinner for my young son's mouth, no heat because we got no gas. When a day man don't even ask me, I'm living in a concrete 
tribe and keep on living well i thought it was high time to chat to some of the band's friends and indeed fans so we have the ultimate winachi tribe fan in the whole world danny how are you doing danny sweet as a nut thank you sweet as a nut so why do you think these guys are amazing oh i love them a bit this the music oh you know it gets your foot tapping it's just how they are i've met them i've got to know them it's just what they're like, you know, how dedicated they are. That's what it is. Absolutely. It's, they're all about music. It's not like, oh, we're doing this in the week and then we're, oh, we're going to play a bit of music weekend. I mean, it's, they just non-stop, 24-7. It's music, music, music. And I reckon they proper deserve a proper break in this country. You're Danny's wife. Hello. And you're, you're, you're Nikki as well, aren't you? Yes, I I'm am. I'm Nikki too. Are you excited about tonight? I always look forward to seeing the guys. Yeah. They're good. I like their music. It's different. It is. It is different, isn't it? It reminds me a lot of some of the '80s music. It inspires me to listen to them when I'm feeling sort of not in a very good mood. It actually encourages me to get up and want to do something. What, like a little boogie? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Sean. Hi. hi. You another rabid, excited fan? No, I just uh, <laughs> I'm here. I like. I like their. I like their. The sound, the sound is a combination of a lot of things, which is just, it's nice to hear instead of just a basic sound, there's, there's so much to listen to, it's full, it's a full sound. And you, a uh, young lady, I haven't spoken to you yet. Um, oh, hello Lou. Uh, so. Hello Nick. Hello. So, um, have you seen these guys before? No, it's my first time. But we've heard about them, obviously through Dan and Nick. Have you seen the videos? I've seen the videos, yeah, yeah. superb. The music is just beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So Gary, you're one of the main technical people tonight, um, making it beautifully mixed so they sound fantastic. They're going to sound fantastic anyway, but you're making them sound even more fantastic. Uh, have you been involved um, with them for long? Uh, about two years. Okay. I, I kind of come on board with Inda, the tablet player, because I used to do Ian Brown front of house for 12 years. Wow. So. Um, yeah. So you do a lot of travelling around, you're constantly yeah, yeah, around the country? Yeah, yeah, I've done Massive Attack um, for a year, back in 2003, I used to do Apollo 440, I've done loads of bands, you know what I mean? So I only mix bands that I enjoyed doing anyway. You've obviously got excellent taste, sir. Yeah, thank you very much. 
I have been in, involved in the music business on and off for 30 odd years. I would say the Wenatchee Tribe are probably up there in the top four or five bands I've ever seen. I don't know if you've ever seen them play. They are unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I don't know how anyone can see them and not want to hear more of them. I couldn't agree with him more. One of my favourites now from the Wenatchee Tribe. Yeah, fool. Enjoy. No food for love, no food to cry. Ain't nobody's feeling no food in my mind. No food to the bitch that left you blue. To the food, to the food, and food to you. Do you fool with your money, just don't get bought. Food to the law, just don't get caught. Be no food to a god like savior. Foolish thoughts make a fool's behavior. And no food to the lust. Food to the woman that you just can't trust. Food to promotion, food to the dog. Food to the fucking of an ambition. So obviously we're just, as we're now speaking, uh, it's been less than a week since the atrocity in Manchester at the um, Manchester Arena 
How has that affected you guys? I mean, obviously, in terms of, you know, it was to celebrate music and the joy of music. Uh, not to bring the, every, everything down, but it, it, it's been so seismic for everybody and will be for, for years to come. Yeah, it's hard to put into words, really, how, how this feels. Do you know what I mean? It's an attack on freedom, freedom of speech. And, you know, music brings people together. It's a lot of love. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an attack as well because we're, we're all human beings anyway. But it's also attacking us personally because it's something that's close to us because we, we all have to go out and perform, you know. And it's unfortunately, you know, it's just a terrible incident that's happened. I, I, th- I think the whole thing about this is that nobody really needs to get onto their political pedestal because yeah. we don't need to say anything because by sheer virtue of how we live our lives every day, the concept and the makeup of this band, the the background of the band, the musical background, the heritages that we all have, we all possess, yes, all the way from Hendrix right down to the Beatles and, and beyond. Yeah, we come all that and we see all oh, this is about music's always been about love and not about hate. And when you take people's personal things like that and you start taking, like you said, people's freedom away not to go go to to, play, to to listen to music, not to be a part of a movement. These are the same things that this whole government, if you try to shut people down, could you imagine people not being able to get to gigs because of all these yeah, mad threats? Right. To get out there, um, to do gigs and or be a part of great gigs. And, you know, we've done both. But to have an infringement against us or against the audience or for us not being able to go and see Robert Plant for argument's sake. Yeah, yeah. Do you understand? It's like, you what, what do you mean? And these are the things that are really important to us because what you're doing is that you're not hitting people there, you're hitting people where it really hurts. Young people, emotions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely devastated to hear what went on that day. I'm sick to the back fucking teeth of it, to be brutally honest with you, yeah. of how it went down and how on earth one individual on a set of people, a, a, a very small, small, disgusting society of scum, dirty bastards, okay, that exists here, yeah. and they're causing so much pain to everybody here. There's a hundred, out of a hundred people, I don't even think there'll be 0.2% that, that support whatever happened there. I don't know anybody who'd say that that was right, and if they do, they should be here, mate. You need to be exercising your own playground somewhere, yeah. not in our playground. And I'd like to say that this show tonight, uh, we'd like to dedicate to the beautiful city and beautiful people of Manchester and to the 22 people who lost their lives. Um, this is nothing to do with ethnic backgrounds. It's nothing. To, it's about humanity. It's not about hatred. It's about defiance. And um, we can't be silenced. And people, no matter who you are, where you're from, where you're at, you should be allowed to express themselves. And it's not about hatred. It's about fucking defiance. Getting up there and doing your thing. Do you know what I mean? And I just hope to God it doesn't have a backlash where people are scared to come to shows, people are scared to go into um, public gatherings, do you know what I mean? Because, like they said, it's just such a small minority of people that are doing this. It's not about religion, it's not about... It's, what religion is that? It's fuck all to do with religion, mate, do you know what I'm saying? It really isn't. So, yeah, this is for Manchester, this, it really is. And Manchester's are... I know, you know, even within, do you know what I mean? In this Leeds, lad, do you know what I'm saying? We're from Warrington, but Manchester's like... It's our spiritual fucking city, man, it my really whole, is, yeah. Whole, my whole, sort of, my teacher, I studied in Manchester. I studied in Leeds, but my actual musical understanding and my influence and confluences, it's all Manchester-based. I even go into this Manchester accent occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, that's lovely that you're dedicating this this evening to uh, Manchester.
I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me in to uh, get a little hint of what goes on with uh, the Wenatchee tribe. It just remains for me to give you your celebrity goodie bag, and because there's so many of you, it's a uh, tint of lager <laughs> and lots of Monster Munch. So there you go. Way! Yes, thank you. Yeah, the, the drummer. Uh, yeah, I'll leave that. <laughs> <laughs> Boys got on stage shortly after to entertain the crowds at the George Tavern and to help raise much needed funds. out for the guys at the venue near you and remember for all things Wenatchee for wenatchetribe.com Rock Tales a brand new online series presented by legend and icon Paul Young complete with his own hat stand will shortly feature the band amongst many others so google that on your precious devices until next time on Scratch and Sniff we leave you with the words of Frank Gallagher who says it all about our boys from Warrington and Leeds until next time I'm Nick Randall. Goodbye. One of the most vital necessities in this life is they know how to throw a pie. We're not quite done yet. Take a listen to this. Scratch and sniff. Scratch and sniff. Scratch and sniff. I didn't know I was agreeing to that. <laughs> I thought those days were over. Well, I really enjoy working in small theatres. I don't like the huge, spectacular shows. You know, I quite like to see the audience. The whites of their eyes. I, yeah, not quite. <laughs> not quite. I'm glad I'm not Emily Dickinson. What a miserable life led she. She didn't have Cadbury's dairy milk and nobody came for tea. My father said, dentistry would be a very useful uh, career for you. You can use it any country in the world and as a Jew you might be thrown out any time. Still it remains in me that that possibility. I think all good actors are trying to shine a light on what it means to be human. Mm you know, and to look at human behaviour and, and to look at contradiction. And this is what and David Bowie saw. This. Is this true? David Bowie saw this and then uh, wanted you to make a documentary about him. Yes, he asked me if I'd like to meet up and would I, he liked what he saw. And I mean, thought, what a compliment. Yeah, it, it kind of was. Maybe Fantastic. it was rash judgment to make. <laughs> and this woman came up to me, she said, now tell me, have you made any movies? And I said, well, no, I haven't been to Betty Ford yet. Well, if I could have gone through that floor. <laughs> and somebody came pounding across the beach at me. I thought, oh, no, not here, not now. Leave me, running towards me, running towards me. And I 
and they ran straight past me. <laughs> by hook or by crook, I ended up meeting them in their hotel. The words breaking in are so vulgar. For a 16-year-old Beatlemaniac <laughs> to spend eight days with John and Yoko, I still don't believe it. And then I was with Douglas mm. uh, Adams. I will always remember Douglas's immortal words. She can't sing, she can't dance, she can't act. What's the good of her? <laughs> and for some reason I was insulted. And then the door opened and I went, Blimey, you're Shelley Winters. And she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm Derry Foles. And she put her tongue right down my throat. <laughs> I never saw her again the rest of the evening. Are you enjoying now far more than you were enjoying the height of your success? No, because at the height of my success, I was on private jets and limousines, and I wouldn't be stuck in a pub with the likes of you. <laughs> well, that's charming, that is. And Britt Eklund turned and gave me a smile such as you have never seen. And I got this wonderful, utter, total attention until she realised I was absolutely no use to her whatsoever and it was all turned off as though the light was Oh, turned. no! It did make me laugh. And also by the Scotsman, uh, apparently you are tender, frightened and convincing. I mean, it's working for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've made Sandy Walsh blush, but in a, in a good way. It was for me, being in the supermarket in Accrington, and my elderly lady's coming up to me and saying, when are you and Roy getting married? And me saying, well, we're not allowed to because Hayley's transgender and, and them going, never mind that, they should be together. And that's the way to change the world. I'd say about yeah. this film is it's perfect to take someone on a date to because... Because you don't have to at, talk to them. Yeah, did understand. you do the old yawn, arms around the back, <laughs> creeping down the front? It was very I'm, tempting. I'm doing a bit. <laughs> Sliding the bra out of the top, yeah. <laughs> An art to that. I interviewed on the same day Idi Amin and Harold Pinto. Difficult for me to say who was most difficult and intimidating <laughs> of the two of them. Well, I mean, were you in the same room as these uh, I was in the same room as Harold Pinto. I oh. wasn't necessarily, but I, I collected them. That's probably the and best then put choice them together to. as a, Yeah, Harold always was, but we became good friends over the years, mm. and I didn't continue my relationship with Idi Amin, I can tell you that. <laughs> And I had a terrible problem because my Hamlet kept treading on my very pointed toe shoes, you see. So I had to keep trying to leave the stage. But of course I couldn't because he was on the foot. And it was written as this sort of very camp thing. And I actually knew a couple of people that auditioned for it. And they said, oh, it's this very sort of camp actory type. Mm. I thought, well, I could do that. But it said, Len is tall. And uh, Mark Gator sent me an email and said, will you give me a ring? And I thought, he's not doing that to tell me I've got it. Uh, he's just being nice because he is the nicest man in the world. And he said, look... We loved what you did, but... And I said, you've gone for somebody tall, haven't you? And he went, yeah. I could never get an agent for years because of my disability, so I had to be my own, which was good for me, actually, because it taught me a lot of discipline. And so I'm negotiating for right fee, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not as good on that one. More about getting the role. Now, what makes this film interesting is that it's actually really the story about two men, because J. Edgar Hoover, for so all of the... <laughs> <laughs> Look, Nick, there's not much man-on-man -man action in this uh, movie. But yeah, what it is, okay, oh, is a sort of story Just about... Just very intense here, right? Go on, go on. It's a story about... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, we haven't done this readers for a couple of months. <laughs> anyway, go on. OK. Yes, it's better be good. <laughs> so, basically... J. Edgar Hoover, famously, was he gay? And I just think, actually, that if you don't have 
older actors and older actresses, you're not really getting a view of a balanced society. How much can you tell us about Mary Poppins and uh, can you succumb to tickling or bribery? Um, neither, because otherwise I'll just get a huge <laughs> smack bottom from Disney. Um, uh, I can only tell you that it's going to be great. <laughs> and there are amazing people in it. And if you, if you know. know who's in Meryl it, Street, I mean, Meryl Streep and, Streep, and uh, Emily and Colin Firth. Oh. And, Meryl Streep's a bit overrated, I think. <laughs> oh, apparently. Sad! Exclamation <laughs> mark. And then there was a guy who was supposed to shout something from the wings and he didn't come on. And I, very oh. quick thinking, because I've got a very deep voice, I rushed off to do this old character who actually was still in the toilet. Okay. And I went off and I went, and the line was, Give me some light. And then I ran back on as Ophelia. <laughs> I've made up for it. I, yeah. I've spent many, many years since making amazing commercials, teaching people how to make sure that they don't get infected with STIs. Oh, right. That's so lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm the voice of chlamydia. So the review came in the next day. The first Ophelia to start out mad and go slowly say. My simple mantra is... Never accept the world as it is. Dream of what the world could be and then help make it happen. No, I love it. Carol Decker on Scratch and Sniff with a goodie bag. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it tremendously. And uh, thank you for, for picking up on so many things that I'd, I'd actually forgotten about. Did Katie get all this? Oh, yes, she got all this, yeah. No, wonderful. Tell you, Nick, it's been a total pleasure. I should get highly drunk. Thank you very much. What an enjoyable interview.